moves that keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, this is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking 49ers news, you know, some things that have been going around. And then also, it's a live Q&A. So if you have any questions, go ahead and start populating chat with any questions, and we'll get into those. This is going to be a fun time. Uh, we're getting so close to Memorial Day weekend, and everyone's going to be uh, getting busy. And what's up, Paul? How's it going? Uh, and I guess I got to start right with the big news. Uh, it was kind of flirted with last night, and then um, now there's conversation about it today. But Debo Samuel's back in the Bay Area. What does that mean? You know, I, I saw that, you know, people were posting it on Twitter and saying, could this mean a contract extension is coming? You know, could this mean uh, that Debo Samuel is, is back for minicamp? I don't know. It could also just mean he's back for the Memorial Day weekend. I have no idea exactly why Debo Samuel is back. Um, but he is. Uh, so Debo Samuel is in town. And and so so now with Debo back in the Bay, maybe something will happen. But uh, I just thought that would, I would go ahead and talk about it since uh, everyone was starting to mention it within the last hour over on Twitter. So Debo Samuel back in the Bay Area. And the 49ers have a lot of things going on. Uh, first off, you know, they had some comments from uh, that have been going around from offensive line coach Chris Forrester that I thought were really interesting. Of course, there were comments as well from Brian Greasy, which I found to be uh, uh, telling as well. Um, the first, though, I'm going to talk about what Chris Forrester had to say in in regards to Aaron Banks. And he was speaking um, to David Lombardi about this, and he said that he uh, David Lombardi said that he's very bullish uh, in the fact Aaron Banks is going to be grabbing the left guard spot. And he, he talked about the fact that uh, that is Aaron Banks' natural side and natural spot to be is over at left guard. Uh, I found that to be interesting. I, I think that that really does uh, put Aaron Banks in the driver's seat to be the left guard to take over for you know Lakin Tomlinson. So I, I thought that that was interesting. And, and it finally gave a little bit of understanding uh, of what is going on you know, with the 49ers offensive line. And uh, Chad is going uh, up. And Paul says he's going to the Warriors game, but... Which 49ers players will go to the game with him, if any? Ooh, good call, Paul. Um, so he's here for the Warriors game. He's going to see, you know, what happens with that. Uh, and, and that's why he's here. So that makes a lot of sense, but he's here, right? Uh, do you think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are going to stalk him while he's here, try to get him under contract? Uh, just teasing a little bit, but th that's a, that's good info there, Paul. Uh, Brad says, just another quiet week in 49ers land. Yeah, it really is, right? Uh, what's up, Grish? Welcome to chat. Welcome, Sean. Welcome, everyone that uh, jumped in. Jess as well. Um, this is a fun conversation, and, and even though we brought up Debo, we're talking about Aaron Banks, and the fact that he's going to be the left guard, it appears, and Chris Forrester really wants this to happen, and he's motivated about Aaron Banks being that left guard and being able to play that position. And there's been a lot of questions you know, moving forward, especially from last year, about Aaron Banks, because Aaron Banks never really got on the field at all. Uh, we saw him at practice. you know, Then he wasn't a part of the, the group that was suiting up, and then pretty soon he was a part of the group that was suiting up, and he was available for games, but he never got in. 
part of the reason he never got in is, number one, Lakin Tomlinson doesn't miss football games. Number two, Daniel Brunskill doesn't miss football games. When the guys ahead of you don't miss football games, you don't get to play. Um, but there were some things that I also drew from this was, first off, the fact that Forrester said he was very pleased with how Aaron Banks' rookie season ended uh, also goes on to be very consistent with the comments Kyle Shanahan made in March about Banks being ready at the end of the season. In fact, Kyle Shanahan took it a step further by saying Banks would have been able to crack potentially that starting group if they wouldn't have been worried about chemistry. And, you know, upsetting chemistry is something very important. Um, so the 49ers, I, I guess, have their, their guard. Um, and I say I guess because I don't know for sure, but I guess the, the guard, the left guard of the future is in fact going to be Aaron Banks. That all signs are pointing to that. So maybe a little bit of understanding. And I see in chat, uh, Brad Jones says, are we going to discuss the events of the week with Cones and Kinlaw? Um, Brad, I, I'm, I don't know how much you want to get into that. I mean, we could we could have a little bit of a conversation about that if you want. Uh, over on uh, Patreon, it'll be going up on Saturday. Me and Horst are having a conversation in Slightly Offsides uh, about you know the Cone-Kinlaw situation and then some other 49er topics, including the offensive line and stuff like that. Um, I can get into it a little bit. I don't know how much you guys really want to talk about that, uh, but it's definitely been going pretty strong on 49ers Twitter and the 49ers land. Um, I don't know how much of that has to do with the football team, uh, so I don't always like to talk about that stuff, but uh, we can get into it a little bit if you guys want to. And then Sean says, any news on Mac? Um, pro Football Talk, and I, Pro Football Talk is saying that all signs are starting to point towards Mac retiring. And there was a little bit of information about Mac, and I'll jump to Mac before you know I go back. Is um, there's We've been... Having people ask us about Mac, what would happen if he retired? You know, what would that money look like? How much money would the 49ers uh, get back? So I went ahead and looked it up. And if Alex Mack decided to retire post June 1, uh, the 49ers would have $1.225 million in dead money. Um, so $1.225 million in dead money, but they would have a cap savings of $5.5 5 million. Here's the interesting part, though. And, and what's up, Daniel? Go, go Dolphins. Um, $5.5 million in cap savings. However, Alex Mack, in an interesting part of it, because of the signing bonus and the way that they split up, would owe the 49ers $2.5 million. Um, so $2.5 million would be owed back to the 49ers from Mack. And we'll see. I mean, the, I mean, we could take whatever it's worth, right? We saw that when OTAs happened, uh, Mack was still listed in the alphabetical order on the roster. And of course, he is a part of this team right now until he officially retires or whatever happens with that. But I thought that was interesting that Mack would actually have to pay out money. Um, so he, hopefully, Mack does come back. I think it would be nice there because uh, that would be important. Um, Grish says, I was about to ask about Kim Long Grant. Uh, and then David Campbell says, can't the 49ers just ban Cone from the facilities? Um, when it comes down to it, I mean, I, I saw some of the things that were going on a little bit with, you know, with that conversation. I don't know exactly what would happen with he is a credentialed member of the NFL media. Uh, he has access to the team in the locker room. Uh, the NFL would have to handle that. And when it comes down to it, you go through the NFL to be able to get credentialed. And it's a tough, long process. I don't know exactly what the status is for credentialed members and what the NFL would do. Um, but, you know, anytime it's getting to this point and the amount of players that are speaking out that are speaking out about it, 
I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't know if they can ban him. I don't know. I honestly don't. So we'll see what happens with all that. I just know that this thing is definitely blown up into uh, now enough where the national media is picking it up. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on this situation because I think it, it take the people out of it who it is. I mean, we have an understanding of who Grant Cohn is, but let's take Grant Cohn out of it. Let's take Javon Kinlaw out of it. And I think the bigger conversation is, you know, what happens if a media member, you know, is handling situations like this enough to where enough players feel they have to respond? Uh, I think that's that's a huge question about, you know, what what is allowed and what's not. And maybe there needs to be some sort of, you know, understanding of what those are. Uh, but I don't make those rules. I'm not really abreast to what exactly those rules are. Um, I just know that, you know, I'm sure the NFL, the way that they protect the shield is not going to be super happy with this interaction between a media member and a player. And they're going to want to somewhat uh, smooth this thing over and, and work it out. Um, so I, I think that that's how it's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen with any of the, um, you know, his credential or anything. I, that, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, you know, and Dimitri saying, Grant is not going anywhere. Stop hating. Um, if it's, if it's hate from the, um, the chat, then that's fine. I'm, I'm not hating on, on Grant Cohn, um, and I, I don't really have a. I'm not going to go in there and just say that you know what Grant Cohn did was wrong or what Javon Kinlaw did was wrong. I think um, Javon Kinlaw would, had some things that he needed to say, and he was definitely uh, getting it. Um, and then Sion uh, Elite is saying, "I heard they already worked it out." Yeah, they had a they had a meeting behind closed doors with John Lynch. Grant Cohn talked about it on his channel. Uh, apparently, they squashed it. However. Um, and someone should have told Javon Kinlaw because he said he just did that for his team and he's not done with it. So who knows? Uh, who knows? And um, Tony Chaw says he got the job because his dad liked what he said about Kyle. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it definitely doesn't help. I know that Grant Cohn, you know, did deal with some stuff where he was removed from his position for a while or was struggling after uh, the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. And he, you know, he found a way to get it with SI. Um, he, he works hard. So I think that's... You know, that's what's going on. And, uh, you know, you guys are going to have the conversation, I'm sure, uh, in chat about this. And, um, oh, and Dimitri saying not me. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, when it comes down to this, you know, I'm I'm not abreast of the entire situation. So I'm, I'm speaking from secondhand. You hear what you hear from Grant. You hear what you heard from Kinlaw. Um, but really, without being there and understanding the full situation, uh, you know, I, I can't give a full idea of what is going on there. So I don't know what's going to happen with the credential. Really, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with Kinlaw, if he's going to be disciplined. The only thing I do know is I'm sure the NFL doesn't like this sort of interaction. Uh, and when it comes down to it, we're, since we're talking about Alex Mack and the money that would happen if he was um, to retire, uh, you know that $5.5 million would go a long way for the 49ers. However, uh, what would that money be you know, used for, I guess, for draft picks as well? But I definitely think Alex Mack is worth keeping that $5.5 million. Um, so I definitely hope he comes back and the Niners have that there because there's been some conversation about Jalen Moore this week. And we talked about it a little bit earlier this week uh, that Jalen Moore, you know, potentially could be the right guard. Um, so I, I don't know. And, you know, David Campbell saying, if I was a player, I would refuse to talk to him or answer his questions. I don't know if they're allowed to. I really don't. Um, so I, I really don't. And, you know, Robert Aguilar saying, bro, they should do something to both of them. Take Cone's credentials and suspend Ken Law. And, and they could, you know, I mean, something could happen with the NFL. I know they're very important. They they really want to protect the shield and these owners aren't going to be happy about this interaction. 
Um, so, so there you go. Uh, but Jalen Moore potentially going to right guard uh, during OTA practice. And he, he re, Matt Mioka was talking about this. And then he, in fact, did play guard. And I don't know if anyone saw this, but I can go over a little bit of the O-line groupings. Of course, there's players not at OTAs, not present Alex Mack, Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey, or Daniel Brunskill. Now, Brunskill is there, of course. McGlinchey's there. Brunskill's dealing with knee tendonitis, so he's not doing any practice. Mike McGlinchey, um, you know, of course, dealing with the injuries and coming back from having, you know, the major injuries that he had. So they're going to be figuring that out. But the first O-line group to go out there was Colton McKivitz at left tackle, Aaron Banks at left guard. So there you go. Aaron Banks pretty much solidified right there, right? And then you've got uh, Brendel taking the first uh, snaps, which is not surprising at all. Uh, he would be the understudy, you know, to Mac before, so he would have an understanding of this offense and be able to do it. What is up, Spy Nick Danger? I hope I hope you're doing it, uh, doing big things this weekend and have a good time. So welcome to chat. And then uh, Jalen Moore took the first reps at left guard. Uh, so the things that Kyle Shanahan has been saying about potentially Jalen Moore being able to go and compete uh, with Daniel Brunskill, it looks like Moore got first-team reps. Of course, Brunskill's not available. And then Justin Skew at right tackle. And what is up, Tommy? How is it going? Tommy calling himself the GOAT, I believe. Oh, well well done. Uh, and then uh, Warren says, heard that Debo sighting in the Bay Area. Yeah, Warren. And Paul, uh, earlier in chat, brought up a very good point. He's probably there for the Warriors game. So he's probably in town to watch the basketball game. So as 49ers fans, we're probably reading a little bit more into this than we probably should. Uh, and then Sean says, if McGlinchey is not 100, then who do you, then who take at right tackle? Um, I think it depends on who's going to be available. It looks like Moore could be moving into right guard. I think they believe that McGlinchey is going to be ready. Uh, if McGlinchey's ready, then that's easy, right? If not, it could be Jalen Moore. It could be Daniel Brunskill. Uh, whoever they feel is the best at you know to play right tackle. Um, it also could be a young guy like Spencer Burford, but I do believe Brunskill or Moore would be the leaders in the clubhouse to play right tackle if Mike McGlinchey wasn't ready. Now, the second O-line group was Schluter, um, and then it was Zakel at left guard, Sutherland at center, which surprised me a little bit that Sutherland was taking the, the center snaps there. Uh, Burford was right guard, so Burford was playing in with Moore playing uh, right tackle. And then with the third O-line group, of Schluter again. This time, Jason Poe playing left guard. Donovan West playing center. So Sutherland right now over West. Of course, West, first practice ever in OTA. So he's got a lot of learning to do. Spencer Burford getting second reps again at right guard. And then Alfredo Gutierrez uh, getting at right tackle. So uh, I think that that is kind of an idea of where positioning is going to go. I thought it was interesting that, you know, McGlinchey, uh, I'm sorry, Colton McKivitz uh, just got the reps that he got in school. They only got one set of reps. They're part of that first group, and that was it. So they got a lot of value, and some of these young guys um, need to get it going. And what's up, Gary? Welcome to chat. How's it going, 49er Fogies? Uh, excited to have you here. Um, so there's, a, there's some interesting stuff going on with the offensive line, and we're getting an idea now of how this offensive line is going to be constituted. And I think right now the only questions really remain are about Alex Mack. Uh, with Aaron Banks, according to you know reading the tea leaves, hearing what Chris Forrester had to say, hearing what Kyle Shannon has had to say about Aaron Banks, it looks like Banks is is prepared and ready to be the left guard. Um, so left guard there next to Trent Williams, and then you've got potentially a battle at right guard. Now, if Alex Mack doesn't come back and they decide to move Daniel Brunskill into center, that would solve the guard spot as well as I believe Jalen Moore then would have the heads up of being able to play right guard. So the, these 
the conversations are a little bit easier now that we know Banks has a better chance to play left guard than we ever thought. Uh, Burford, who I thought maybe could potentially play left guard, um, they had worked on Aaron Banks the entire season playing right guard. Now it looks like Burford is working with at the right guard position, so potentially Burford could land there. So I, I think that is that is really really interesting. Uh, this offensive line is going to be something that we got to prepare um, to watch because we it's all hinging on Alex Mack right now. If Alex Mack comes back, uh, then the only real battle is going to be that right guard spot. Uh, Jalen Moore versus Daniel Brunskill versus Spencer Burford. And Lou says, why isn't Sakel getting snaps at the center position? Yeah, that's something that's interesting. It could be um, that none of the guys yet were, were ready to take it. With him moving to the interior, uh, the adjustment to guard and center, um, we'll see what happens with Zakel. It, it could be just that his OTAs, and we'll see if it develops through time or if they decide they want to leave him at guard. I, I don't know that for sure. So that was something that I was interested in watching and, and, and seeing. And the fact that Zakel was taking left guard uh, snaps didn't surprise me too much because we heard also that uh, Poe could also play center, but he was playing left guard as well. So it could just be these groupings. We'll see what happens when they, we get to mandatory minicamp and all the players are there and ready to play. Uh, potentially, then you'll get an idea of where these guys really are slotted. And what's up, Jason? Welcome to chat. And Brad Jones says, I think Nick Z being played at left guard is just easing him into his first OTA so he doesn't get overloaded straight off the bat more than any idea about Mac. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's already adjusting to moving to the interior. Um, they gave Burford a lot of reps at the right guard spot, and then Zakel getting the the you know the reps at the left guard spot. But as they consistently bring it in, you know, uh, bring in the guys like Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey. We know McGlinchey won't be around until training camp, so they'll we'll start to get a better idea of how these guys are slotted and and how the competition is going to play out. And Tommy says Burford is day one starter. Book it. I like Burford a lot too, so I'm I'm rolling right with you, Tommy. I would love to see him start. The question is, where is he going to start? Is he going to start at right guard, where he was getting the most of his reps at OTAs? Will he slide out to right tackle? I don't think he would start over Mike McGlinchey. So right guard would be the most realistic spot for him to start. Uh, it could be that if you know Daniel Brunskill moved to center because Alex Mack retired, potentially then Jalen Moore would compete with Spencer Burford to see who that starting starting uh lineman would be but I do like Burford a lot so I I'm I'm enjoying the battles that we're going to have in the interior offensive line and uh that's something I really like to talk about uh as you can tell uh another thing was the the cap hits for D Ford uh came out because all the rumors Matt Barrow's reporting as well that you know it looks like D Ford is going to be moving on the four years are going to move on from him and uh his cap hit will be $5.83 million in 2022 and 2023. Um, by cutting him post June 1, the 49ers saved $1.1 million in 2022. And in 2023, they saved $2.8 million. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're taking that huge, you know, huge cap hit of 5.83 because of the dead money, uh, but you're freeing up, you know, almost $4 million. Uh, in the long run between the two years. So that might be something they're going to do. I've seen some people talking about maybe the 49ers should just let this play out, you know, see what he can do, see what he looks like coming in for uh, training camp. And maybe they will, you know, maybe they'll take a look at him. Maybe they don't have to cut him right after June 1st. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. We'll see if he ends up showing up if they don't cut him uh, to mandatory minicamp. And that, that would be something interesting because the 49ers are already absolutely locked and loaded you know, at the edge rush position. And um, 
Paul is saying I pencil Burford in at right guard. So there is a lot of a lot of people that definitely like Spencer Burford. And I think Burford has the ability, you know, to be one of those one of those guys that can start. Um and we'll we'll see. You know, I mean, we'll see how this thing develops. Um and if Spencer Burford is a starter, then the 49ers absolutely hit it out of the park uh in that fourth round, you know, going ahead and getting him. And Jason says, I think Ford should do them a solid and retire so the cap isn't that big. Yeah, if he were if you know, I mean, I, if he retires, I don't know how much money they ultimately save. I believe because of the two restructures that they've done, um, he's still going to cost them money. Uh, if you retire, you're still the 49ers are still stuck with the dead money as part of the contract because uh, we know this from Joe Staley. We know this from Weston Richburg. I mean, it can be eased by the way that they work out contracts, but it appears that, you know, no matter what, they're going to eat some money out of this. So um D Ford has done a lot for the 49ers over the last two years as far as contract goes, renegotiating, restructuring his deal to free up more work. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, Brad just said they could easily rework Ford's deal again if they are going to cut him. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they can. I think they already worked out every sort of amount of money that they could get out of this. So I, I think that's just, you know, potentially this is just what's going to happen from D Ford. So, um, the other thing that that's that came up is now we can start talking about the actual dates. Now that we know the preseason games are going to be, we can actually talk about when this roster is going to be cut down. Uh, and that's one of the things that's going on right now is the 90-man the, the roster is intact. The Niners have 90 players. Of course, this doesn't mean that these are going to be the 90 guys you're going to see at training camp. We all know that once they go through you know OTAs and then mandatory minicamp, potentially players could get moved. Uh, as far as get cut, get signed, there's a lot of movement that happens with the 90-man roster. But it, once the 90-man you know, is, is pretty solid when we get into training camp, the first cut, which uh, these numbers always kind of shock me because they cut like, the least amount of people, right? It's always hard to get cut right away. But on August 16th, uh, the 49ers would have to cut from 90 to 85. Uh, five guys is that initial cut. And then when you go August 23rd, the cut would go from 85 to 80. So after the first game against the Packers, they got a cut to 85. After the game against Minnesota and those uh, joint practices, they're going to cut from 85 to 80. That means a total of 10 guys have been cut in the first two cuts. So you keep you know a, a, a lot of your players for that last game. And then August 30th, uh, they cut from 80 to, to 53. And that final 53 is the Tuesday after the preseason game is when that happens. Yeah, and, and go ahead and fill chat. I see people that are, are kind of bringing um, some questions in the chat. Fill, question, fill the chat up with questions. I, I'm really looking forward to getting into all those. And uh, John San Francisco says, who will be tied into? I think it's going to be Charlie Warner. I think Charlie Warner uh, uh, you know, showed himself to be ready to go. He's really good as an inline blocker. He's able to get... Uh, to the next level. And, and Brad was asking, do you think Croft has a chance to be tied into? I'm going to say he does have a chance. I think Charlie Warner is ahead right now. He's a guy that 49ers invested a draft pick in. He's been in the system for two years, so he has an understanding of what they want. And he works with George Kittle all the time. So Charlie Warner's main thing is he needs to keep developing in the passing game. If he becomes a better receiver and a better threat in that direction, then potentially, you know, he he can be uh, the tight end too. Uh, but I do think they brought in Croft to be able to push him uh, to get after it because uh, that's what they want. Um, I, I that's what they want. They want competition at the position. They want to improve that position, and uh, that was a, a nice move. And and Tommy Huxley just got the entire chat hungry. Thanks a lot. 
Five Guys and Fries. It, it sounds, I mean, Five Guys is pretty delicious. So thanks a lot, Tommy. We really appreciate that. Now everyone's hungry. Uh, and uh, Paul says, I believe we'll have a lot of Vulture teams hovering around our cuts, as well they should. And that's why the 49ers should take an approach to try to, um, you know, go ahead and not cut as many as trade players. So you hold players around to have that value and then be able to move them towards the end of, tr of training camp in the preseason if you know they're not going to make the team. Uh, so that way you can get the most draft capital uh, back that you can. Now, the 49ers have a lot of picks. They've been picking up compensatory picks like crazy with all these different coaches and front office personnel going to other teams. But you're right. I mean, that's what's going to happen around the league. The 49ers have one of the most talented 90-man rosters there is. So they're going to be looking to, to poach some of these players. Seattle's going to be looking to get better and add some players. We know they're always looking for it as well. And San Francisco says if, if Croft can add blocking, he'll make it. Uh, Croft's a pretty good blocker. So, I mean, Croft has a really good chance. I think Croft, uh, Croft could make this team. I think he could be the, the third uh, tight end. Um, but I don't know for sure. You know, we'll see. He's going to have to battle, you know, Ross Dwelly. And, and Tommy's bringing up Ross in the in the chat. Yeah, Ross, Ross Dwelly is going to be a guy uh, that's going to have to compete right now. And and they've got Jordan Matthews. They got Croft. These guys are coming in to, to push, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with this position. But finally, there's competition. Every other year, it's been pretty clear who who the starting you know who the starting three guys are not starting, but who the three guys were going to be on this fifty three man roster at the tight end position. This is a year finally where you're like, oh, it could be three different guys as tight end three. And I think that's something good. That means the 49ers did what they wanted to do and and really get a lot of competition. So Brad Jones says so it leaves Cones Boy Dwelly looking from the outside in. It could. I mean, Ross Dwelly's been working his butt off. I'll give him that. He's been working out with George Kittle in Tennessee, and he's really been you know, busting his hump, and he's gotten bigger and more physical in the last couple of years. But when it comes to Dwelly, Dwelly's got to get better as a blocker. you know. And then right now, he's pretty much a liability in that area. Uh, at times, he makes his blocks, but we've seen him being used less and less in that situation. We know Charlie Warner's a really good blocker, so they always use him in that. And that's the problem. If you could put Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly together, you would have a really, really nice tight end, too. They could block. They could go out for passes. Uh, they catch the ball pretty well. I mean, Dwelly does a good job in the receiving game. He just doesn't get as many opportunities because he doesn't block as well. And if you don't block, you don't get the rock. That's what Danny Gray said, and that's the truth. And so I think that's you know, how the 49ers are viewing the tight end position right now. Uh, and Mr. Corey says, Ant, what's the show topic? We're, we're doing a news update. We talked a little bit about the offensive line. Uh, there was a, a, a small little tidbit about uh, the Grant Kinlaw situation. And now we're just in full Q&A. So if you have questions, go ahead and throw them in there. Uh, I'm open to uh, to answering any of the questions you know that come through chat because uh, that's what this is about. It's about interacting. That's what we usually do on Thursdays. And, and I always enjoy it because we get some really great questions, some great comments, and it usually invokes some pretty good conversation. So that's what I'm looking forward to on this on this great Thursday night. Looking forward to having a, a cool conversation before we get into this weekend. Uh, and Robert Aguilar says Ross Warner would be really cool. It would. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Put those two guys together. They both have potential. They just need to develop. You know, if Ross Dwoli can develop his blocking game at a higher level, he's a really nice solid tight end too. If we were getting the Ross Dwoli we saw in 2019, now I think everyone feels comfortable with him being tight end too. The problem is, is, you know, he's kind of been passed over by Charlie Warner. And I didn't think that was possible initially. So uh, Charlie Warner's been really improving. I mean, he went from OTAs last year, struggling a little bit on his on his routes, knowing which routes to run. 
to going ahead and becoming tight end too. So you got to give him credit as well, and maybe he can continually get better. Uh, Tommy says, Ant, how concerned are you about the pass pro this season? I'm a little bit concerned, and really what I'm concerned with right now is continuity. I, I think depending on what happens with Alex Mack will tip me one way or the other, because I think if Alex Mack is there in the center and you have Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey on the, on the two tackle spots, you at least have stability, right? And we know that Daniel Brunskill could play a guard, but if they do go to Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks, that's where you're going to have your issues. Now, Jalen Moore is a really good pass blocker, where he's going to struggle a little bit, potentially is moving people off their point in the run game. So that would be an improvement in the pass protection game. As far as Banks, as long as he's gotten his lateral movement together, I think he can handle it as well. So I'm optimistic, but Matt goes a long way, because I think if Daniel Brunskill or Brendel are playing center position, I have more questions about them and their pass protection. But I do think as long as this run game gets going, so it is important they put out an offensive line that can really run the football, because if they do and they create holes for these big running backs, it will create opportunities for the offensive line to be able to be in play-action situations and not to have to be in straight kick slides and traditional uh, pass protections, you know, sets. Uh, and that's really good. Um, KNDR says, what do you think of the tight end we signed? I like Croft. I really do. I think he's a good tight end. I like the 6'6", 252-pound frame. I think that's going to be nice for the 49ers. A big physical guy. He can block. He can catch the ball. I watched him beat linebackers down the sideline, which means he has some ability there. So I'm I'm kind of uh I'm kind of excited about that. And I'm excited about competition because I thought the only competition in the room was going to be Jordan Matthews. And to be honest, we just don't know what he's going to be able to do in the blocking game. If he can become the inline blocker and learn the tight end position, he's dangerous because he's one heck of a receiver from the tight end spot. I mean, he's got legit receiver skills. And we're starting to see other players transitioning from wide receiver, big body uh, wide receivers transitioning to tight end. And then uh, let's see. We'll see if we got anything else. Uh, Jason says, what do you think about Knight playing Nickelback the first two days? Uh, you're talking about Quantrez Knight. I like Quantrez Knight. I'm actually watching his film at UCLA. That was one of the things that I actually said. He, he got a star player for me. Um, so that's it. I, I got a, He gave him a star player because I liked what he was doing. I like the way he looks uh, springy on film. He's an exciting guy. Now, there's some things he needs to do as far as discipline. He gets a little bit too handsy. Uh, he loses eye discipline at times. Those are things he has to work on. His real issues are in the coverage game. As far as being able to be there and run fits, he's fantastic. Being able to hit hard and make tackles, fantastic. Uh, so Quantrez Knight is somebody to watch for sure. And I'm actually excited to watch him at camp. I already wrote down his number. You know, and I know it, I know what uh, players I'm going to be going to watch when I get to training camp. Because I do think Quantrez Knight could be a guy that could come in and push. But with that DB room being so difficult, his odds of making the team aren't very high. So we'll see. Maybe he could be one of those guys that ends up landing on the practice squad. And then the 49ers you know, bring him on down the road as he continues to develop. Uh, Grish says, how will you rate the offensive line in terms of pass blocking? If we fall below two TDs and need to throw, um, I think that's where you start to run a risk. I mean, the way they build this offensive line hasn't been through pass protection. It's been through a run-first system. The 49ers aren't exactly built for coming from behind as far as on the offensive line. Uh, I think at, at times that would put them in bad situations. That would put Mike McGlinchey in a bad situation because that's not what he does really, really well. Now, he's good, but he's not great at it. And uh, we know that if they get the run game going and he's able to go forward, that's when he's at his best. And that's when he's one of the most elite guys in the league as far as in the run blocking and then the play-action pass blocking. But a traditional kick slide you know, can be problematic for him at times. 
you know, and then we would have questions at the, you know, at the guard spot with Aaron Banks because of what we've seen with Maurice Hurst. I can only go off what I recently saw, you know, and I recently saw him get absolutely smoked by Maurice Hurst. Uh, but that was a rookie who was learning in his first training camp. He's well seasoned. He went through a whole season going against these defensive line players. So, so maybe he's a lot better. And if he is, uh, then I would expect them to be better. Uh, David V says in Las Vegas, rocking the cutback hat, got us a sub. Well done, David V. Let's give an applause to David V. Good job. Thanks, David V. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, thanks for rocking the merch and getting the sub. Awesome. I, I hope you're having fun out there in Vegas. Hope it's not too hot. I don't know what it's like out there. It's starting to get hot out here in Northern California. So hopefully you're having a good time out there, David V. And uh, thanks so much for that. And Paul says Shanahan seems to be very high on night. Good. I like Knight as well. Knight was one of the guys that jumped off on film, and so was Taylor Hawkins, the safety from San Diego State, which a lot of people thought it was interesting. And uh, Brad Jones says, do we have, do we know who's taking snaps opposite of Ward in safety group? It's Tarverius Moore and Talano Hufanga. Those were the guys that were doing it uh, consistently. Those guys were moving around. They're going to have those guys be in a battle. And that safety room, I think, is a little bit more interesting than, than people want to let on. Um, I think for a lot of people, they like Leon O'Neal Jr., which Leon O'Neal Jr. is a good player. He's a thumper. Uh, but I do think people need to to take a look at Hawkins. He's got some talent, man. I'm curious to see what happens there. But this safety room is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a completely open competition, Brad. Tarverius Moore versus Talano Hufanga. And I think the best one is going to win. So we'll we'll see who ultimately gets, uh, gets to win. So I'm excited about that. And uh, Marvin says, watch the grand video. Ken Law laid the law to this guy. It was a it was a tough one. If you watch that, it's it's a it's a tough one. It's a tough conversation for sure. Uh, Brad Jones says also, what do we think of Lance talking about his finger? That was very telling. It really was, um, because when it came down to it, I did not know he was hurt the entire time. Yeah, and and Fork Tall says we don't plan to fall behind, brother. I love that. Yeah, just never fall behind. It works out. Uh, but the the finger, I didn't know it was bothering him the entire season. I mean, I knew that he was having problems with it early on but all reports right that he was ready to go but he talked about the fact he had to actually change the way he threw the football and, and change the way he held the football the pressure points which means when you saw footballs flutter or maybe he was inaccurate that could have contributed i'm not saying it did because i don't know for sure but it definitely could have been a contributing factor so maybe we didn't even see the full potential of, of trey lance in his rookie season uh and I'm, I'm optimistic even more optimistic now that his accuracy level is going to go up He's going to be able to operate this offense. Uh, so I think that was interesting. And the fact that he never let it on during the season, didn't really talk about it a whole lot and did it now. I, I kind of shows the, the attitude that you know, you expect from your starting quarterback, a guy that's going to go out there and, and really compete in battle. So I, I do like that a lot. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I did go back and watch, you know, and he's able to open uh, his, uh, his water bottles and he doesn't have any issues and all that. So no. And you know what I thought was interesting was, his comments about you know him not really needing uh, you know the approval of, of social media or the media in general. He doesn't really care what they think about him and stuff. Uh, he's got the right mindset, and I think this 49ers team is being brought together. Right? They they seem very you know in in unison and uh, together. And I I think that Trey Lance is showing himself to be a leader so far from what I can see. Of course, we're not out there at practices, so we don't know exactly how things are going. But I would assume that he's doing a really good job. Uh, well, he make the 53 man over uh, over Demo. That's tough because I'm not sure Demo is going to make the team, but I'm not sure Knight is going to make the team either. I, there are some really, really good defensive backs. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a tough room. I mean, it really is because if you go right off the bat with the top three guys with 
uh, Charverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett. Right off the bat, that's three spots. You got three left. You would assume Ombre Thomas takes the fourth spot. And then it's competition. You got Giammer Lenore, who they drafted last year. Darquez Denard, of course. Dante Johnson, who just seems to always be on the 49ers. And then you have the young guy, Samuel Womack, who they drafted. Uh, Tariq Castro-Fields. So there's just so much competition in that room that Quantrez Knight is sitting there behind him. Is Can Quantrez Knight go in there and jump over a Diomedo Lenore, for instance, on the depth chart? Yeah, I think he can. But where's Diomedo Lenore on the depth chart? That's the big question. Are they going to go with uh, young guys? Are they going to go with old guys? I don't know. And then, um, let's see. Uh, Twisted Clown says, where's the Jimmy G love? You know what? When it comes to Jimmy G, I mean, the fact he hasn't talked uh, you know, to the new quarterback coach, um, I'm like, okay, why haven't you talked to Greasy? Um, no, I mean, when it comes to Jimmy G, I think Jimmy G's just trying to get better. He's trying to get healthy. And I think he's not going to be a member of the San Francisco 49ers anymore. I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo wants to be a starting quarterback. And he can't be a starting quarterback in San Francisco with the 49ers. So he's looking for an opportunity to go somewhere else. And I think the 49ers are looking for an opportunity to move him somewhere else. So I think that's just what's going on with it. But I have no problems with Jimmy G. I definitely... Uh, I'm very appreciative of what he did for this team, helping turn them around at the end of 2017 and then the, the magical 2019 and, and 2020, 2021 runs uh, were fantastic. And I think things will always remember that 2019 uh, team was special and he was a big part of that. Uh, Forktall says New York uh, Giants has to want Jimmy G over Jones. Jones is a dud, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I think that makes sense. And the move of uh, Bradbury being gone makes me think that that's a possibility. Uh, so yeah, potentially that that would that would make a lot of sense if Jimmy G was there. And, you know, the way that Kyle Shanahan spoke at his presser about Jimmy G um, going to be traded, I, I think that that would make sense. The Giants could be it could be Carolina. Um, so that that could that could have happened for sure. Um, Jimmy Gorilla says Jimmy G break up is rough. Uh, it seems to be. It seems to be rough. And even, uh, you know, you got. George Kittle talking about the fact he hasn't really spoken to Jimmy G. Uh, that that can't be easy either, right? I mean, they're like really good friends going to get Slurpees together during training camp. You know, we're the three best friends that anyone can have. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Robert says, what do you think the press conferences? Oh, wait, one second. I missed that one. Number 27 can easily be cut and brought back and put on the practice squad. I agree. Robert says, what do you think the press conferences will look like from now on? Um, I think press conferences are going to be uh exciting uh they're gonna be fun because i don't think the 49ers are playing anymore you know i don't think these players are, are playing anymore we know that uh bill walsh had an absolute disdain for the for the bay area media he used them so much to help motivate his team into doing things that he wanted to do and um and i think that that's what's going to happen here is there's going to be a motivation a a them versus us type thing and if that happens, then, uh, you know, that could be good as far as pulling the team together. But I think that they're going to be more matter of fact. I don't know if they're going to be as playful as they have been in the past. We'll see. You know, I, I hope they are because I always love all the sound bites of the players having a good time, you know, and, and answering questions. I hope it doesn't get real business like because they're afraid of the media, you know, scrutiny or what the media is going to say or the media becomes an enemy. Because uh, I do enjoy the the little quirks and stuff that we hear from the players. Uh, because I was I, George Kittle's interviews and stuff are always fun. Jimmy Ward, uh, they do a good job. So I'm hoping that we get some some good stuff. Maybe this will blow over uh, because you know 
let's be honest, not all the media, you know, has these problems with the 49ers, only only some members. Uh, so maybe they'll only address some members that way, but I'm interested. Twitch Clown, Ant, just kidding. Most fans bury Jimmy G all year. Never heard from him, though. Just how uh, how you carry yourself, I guess. Have a great show. Yeah, thank you so much, Twisted Clown. Appreciate that. And you know what? I mean, that's the thing, though, right? Jimmy is kind of becoming a a guy in the in the back corner, you know. And I put him on the thumbnail in the back because he is kind of hovering over this quarterback situation. Brian Greasy talked about the fact he hasn't really talked to him a whole, at all, um, and he's you know, but he's been working with everybody else. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, Trey Lance. I think everything points to Jimmy Garoppolo being gone. So. If if that's what happens, then uh, then there then you know Jimmy will be gone, and I think we'll always respect what he did. But uh, in the same regard, I think everyone's very optimistic about the young kid Trey Lance and how he's been carrying himself and his abilities. And then uh, Jimmy Gorilla says Pat McAfee dropped the mic on Grant Stooge from now on. Uh, Pat McAfee does what Pat McAfee does. That that's for sure. Um, Jimmy says uh, Ward's interviews are fun. His uh, confidence has turned eleven. Yeah, he's definitely got more confidence over the years. I love the things that he said recently about him. He could have had an all-pro season if it wasn't for some you know missed plays that he had. You know, not taking advantage of opportunities. Basically, uh, I like that thinking. You know, I really do. Um, being critical of your game is important. You know, and you look at the the plays you could have made, and I think that that's something uh, that you do. You know, I mean, and uh, and and. And you want to make sure that you have that ability to not only critique your game, uh, but to improve on it. And uh, Jimmy Ward has been around the league for a long time and understands what he's supposed to do. I think he's a really good player and a leader in the in the locker room. So I'm like, I'm always excited to hear what Jimmy has to say. And I, I feel like he's gotten more comfortable and comfortable in front of the media, got more comfortable in, in what he wants to say. Uh, if you go back and watch early interviews, it didn't look like he wanted to be there. And I'm not sure he still wants to be in front of the media. I don't think a lot of the players really enjoy or, or bask in that. Um, but he he definitely knows how to handle it at a high level now. Uh, Brad Joe says, I don't think players have a grudge against the Bay Area media. It's more the national media. Uh, it could be. Um, we'll see, though. Because, I mean, a lot of these local media types are the ones they've been going after. You know, there was the reports last year. Uh, Debo maybe had some concerns about Jennifer Lee Chan, who she's, you know, a local media as well. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the media. All I know is I think that it was interesting with them doing Zoom for a couple years, and then now they're back in person. I don't know how that has strained everything, um, but yeah. <laughs> Marvin Rose. I'm not saying any names, initials, but they were GD. He's <laughs> just putting it out there. I love that. Uh, and you know what? I mean, that's the thing, right? Some people you can you can decide who you want to listen to who you want to interact with in the 49ers land. I mean, that's all up to you. You decide, you know, what content you engage in, what content you don't, and that's okay. You know, and however you want to follow your team, you're entitled to do that. And, you know, that's that's fine. If you if you listen to, you know, uh, John Chapman, great. You know, you, you love John Chapman. If you listen to Grant Cohn, great. Like, that's that's who you like to listen to. Uh, you know, and, and I find that I like who I like to listen to. And I don't always agree with everyone's opinions, even the people I like to listen to. I don't agree with their opinions, but a lot of times it can expand your understanding and, and your, you know, I guess it could get your mind really thinking about what they're they're doing and thinking changes your perspective on at times. Other times you just get more steadfast in your beliefs uh, and just dig in. I'm not one that's easily swayed on my beliefs. I will a lot of times take into account what people are saying and and have a nice conversation. And I can disagree with somebody and still be 
absolutely civil about it but uh i think that you know there are so many different content creators out there uh there's a lot of different different groups that you can go to and and watch about you know 49ers and when we did um you know all of our draft build up and we had war room we had a, a lot of guys you know come through that were really nice people that we had a lot of fun working with and it was exciting and thanks marvin rose says i like you guys uh marvin says i watched grant one time make that too he did not impress me a bit if that matters uh, I'll be honest, I watched Grant Cohn um, some when, you know, like, I guess when he was first getting on YouTube, I watched a little bit of it because uh, that was a, you know, he he was the big one, right? And so I watched a little bit of it, but I don't watch Cohn, uh, to be honest, very much. Occasionally, I'll, I'll catch something that he did or whatever, but I don't consume a lot of 49ers content anymore. I'm so, to be honest, I'm so busy researching and studying and, and doing things for what we do uh, that I have, you know, kind of gotten it down to a couple of people. Uh, that I listen to continuously. But if there's something going on, I might like want to listen to a bunch of different perspectives, then maybe I will, you know, go to some guys that I don't normally go to um, and check out what they're saying. Cause uh, you know, their perspective, even though I may disagree, it could also um, get me thinking. And uh, Sean says, I wish you and Brad could get a show going. Yeah. You know, we reached out to Brad before about doing some stuff with uh, war room, but he was getting ready to go on vacation. Didn't seem like anything materialized there, uh, but Brad does a good job. So maybe down the road, we could do something with him. I would definitely like that. I think Brad's uh, one of the good ones and I respect his opinion when it comes to offensive line. And uh, so, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, Paul says, I definitely enjoy listening to people who are more knowledgeable or have coaching backgrounds and not just giving their opinion. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the way that I see the game now is is you completely through a coaching perspective. So I understand that it does change the way you look at football. Um, and, you know, and and that's the thing. Some people do really enjoy opinionated, you know, commentary, and some you know want more fact based X's and O's, and and both are fine. Um, but yeah, when you find one that you like, you lock onto it. That's why I I listen to uh, John Chapman uh, because he has a coaching perspective like me, and it doesn't mean I agree with everything he says and. I'm sure he doesn't agree with everything we say or what I say, uh, but when it comes down to it, we know where each other's coming from, and, and that's what's kind of fun. I love that. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Gorilla says, felt like he was giving jabs instead of insights to the player of, of the game. It, it can, yeah, that's how it can be. Uh, Marvin Rose says, watch GM football some. Peter Schrager and other guys are good. I do like Peter Schrager. Uh, I listen to Peter Schrager at times, and Good Morning Football, watch that at times. Um, if, if I have an opportunity, but I don't always have an opportunity with how busy I am. And uh, and uh, Lawrence says, and and honestly, I'd rather watch your show without Alex. Oh, Lawrence, come on, man, come on. Uh, Alex is a good dude. Alex does a good job. Um, Alex, uh, Brad, Alex is uh, Alex is on a little bit of a break. He took a couple weeks. He's just uh, got a lot of life things going on. I don't know if you know, but he's getting married in October, uh, so he's going to be handling that right now. That's why he hasn't been here. Uh, but he's you know he he'll be back pretty soon, and we'll be getting after it again. Uh, it's really fun. So I, I, I do enjoy working with Alex. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I always I always enjoy having different take. You know, when you have a different take that sits next to you, sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. But when we do, we get to bounce things off of each other. Uh, so it makes for a lot of fun. And I've been enjoying doing these shows and, and, you know, doing it the last couple of weeks and holding it down with everybody. I've had a lot of fun. But it's it's definitely different when uh, when you have, uh, you know, Alec, when I have Alex with me. You know, Alex does a pretty good job. Uh, so I really enjoy working with them. And uh, Grish says, I enjoy listening to the show when I first turned it on and figured it out. Yeah, thank you, Grish, for uh, being in, in chat all the time. Really appreciate your commentary, your questions. You do a good job. Uh, so thanks for coming through. And uh, 
I do like I do like Alex uh, being here with me. It's a lot of fun when we have a couple of guys and we've been doing some stuff. You know, what I mean, we've been we've been working on a lot of stuff uh, and and there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Donald Johnson, I like John Chapman, Peacock, and Eric Crocker, but Ann and Alex are my top guys. Thanks, Donald Johnson. I do like Chapman, Peacock, and Crocker, so we're on the same page, Donald Johnson. That's who I listen to as well. Uh, Marvin Rose says, I'm retired and still get up early for work, so I watch it. Not going to tell you what time I get out of bed. You're probably getting out of bed when I'm. Well, I might be going to bed after that because I work at night, but yeah, pretty, pretty much. Uh, Brad Jones says the John Wayne show, uh, Chapman and Wayne Breezy are doing weekly is really uh, good if you haven't checked it out. Yeah, I, I've checked it out. It's pretty good. Uh, Wayne Breezy is another good guy, so we, we like him. Wayne Breezy does a good job. He's been on the show before, and uh, he, he's, he's, he's a, good, uh, a good guy to enjoy uh, watching you know, the way he has, he has a certain flavor about him. Uh, he gets after it, and, and, you know, that's what you like, right? Passionate 49er fans and passionate people that like to talk about football, and Wayne Breezy is definitely one of those. Um, let's see. Forksall says, always good listen to contrasting perspectives. Exactly. I like that. KNDR says, I thought Alex got traded to the Seahawks. Come on now. The Seahawks don't have enough to give me back. What are they going to give me back for Alex? Come on. Uh, Marvin says, miss Alex and tell him congrats. Yeah, he's going to be getting married. That's one of the interesting things that's going to happen during the season. You guys will find out when we get closer. I mean, October 23rd, the Niners are playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're going to be doing Alex's wedding. So that's something that's going to happen, and and I don't know the full fallout of all of it, but uh, that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about you know taking care of Alex's wedding at the time and um, you know him having a good time with that. Sometimes the real world comes in and gets in the way of uh, of of what we do here with the podcast and that's okay. Life, life is important. And Tommy says, Chapman cut back breezy last second sports. There you go. A little, I'll show, throwing out some love there for Jesse Naylor as well. Um, so, so well done from Tommy. I'm, I'm glad that those are really good ones. Sean says, I really love your content. Uh, and by the way, you guys vibe off of each other. Lots of intelligent subject matter. I coached for 12 years and uh, just love the show when I can watch it. Thanks so much, Sean. Yeah. When you have that coaching background, it's really fun to have those conversations and, you know, that's one of the things Alex and, and me do. We both have coaching, um, you know, background. So we get to have a lot of conversations that are really good. And I really like it. And Sean says it's 249 in Hawaii. Wow. Well, you're just getting, you're just, you're just right in the middle of your day. You're just getting started. We're winding down out here. And thanks so much, Tommy, for the, the $2 super chat. Now you get to watch uh, T.O. do his thing on the screen. Uh, he's getting down. And uh, Tommy says Alex plus Ant equal effing goaded mfing goaded thank you so much for that tommy i really appreciate the super chat and i appreciate all the great comments that are coming through right now what's up laxdad welcome to chat uh brad jones says oh he's not every cup of tea but i like dave lombardi uh complete opposite to cone on how he converses with the team and and does his youtube channel i do occasionally catch what david lombardi says so uh i, I kind of catch everyone a little bit here and there and that's why if you know if you like someone you know, that's what you do. You go ahead and you, you watch them. And I don't think anyone's wrong with, you know, who they decide to, to listen to. There's a lot of good 49ers content creators out there. And so just consuming all of them, consuming the ones you want, uh, that, that's what's fun. And then Shooter says, I like Eric Davis, believe in 49ers. Yeah, Eric Davis uh, was one of the players I really respected. And, and at times I will listen to his takes. I like when he does his open uh, questions, you know, questions for 30 minutes or whatever it is on uh, Twitter. I always enjoy reading those. He gets after it with the questions, so I like that. Forkstall says, TCC, Chapman, and Lombardi. Who's going for 49ers content? Thank you uh, for that, Forkstall. Good good people to be lumped in the midst of with those two right there. Um, I'm a mod on Jesse's channel. Oh, there you go. Well done, Tommy, uh, helping out Jesse with that. You know, Jesse does, he works hard. He gets after it. Um, so there you go. 
Uh, Robert says, oh, Ken Loughlin on the SF Niners podcast going to watch it after this. Did he go on there again, or is it the the one that they did before? Because uh, Brad interviewed him before. I think it was like in March. It was an absolutely great conversation. So, Robert, if you didn't watch that, go watch it anyways. It, it's fantastic. And uh, Brad did a really good job of interviewing him. So check that out for sure. Um, I, I think that's something to, that everyone you know could check out is the, the Kinlaw interview with uh, with Brad. That was good. Lou says, Ant, do you feel we missed on drafting a third down back? I like what I see from Price, but we need somebody on third down. I'm afraid we'll overwork Mitchell. I think it could be Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean, I was with you, Lou. I thought they were going to draft a third down back, somebody that could come in and compete with Jamichael Hasty. But maybe they thought Jeff Wilson Jr. could be that guy. Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, maybe they're switching his role. The fact that they had a Ty Davis Price, potentially the emergence of uh, Trey Sermon, um, that would be nice. So I, I think that you know having having him do that, Jeff Wilson Jr., might be the answer. I do think Mitchell will get some time there. Uh, but you're right. It, you don't want to overwork Mitchell. You want him to be healthy. Lack says he seems like the most the question marks are becoming known. Hufanga, Denard, but who is a center and right guard? That's the question, Lax Dad. Right guard is is going to be answered once we know what's going to happen with the center position. Once we know if Alex Mack is coming back, that will give us a better understanding of what happens at right guard. If Mack comes back, it's a two-man competition, potentially three. Um, if they give Spencer Burford the open to go battle for it. Jalen Moore, Spencer Burford, Daniel Brunskill, winner takes all over that right guard because it looks like Aaron Banks is going to be the left guard. Um, so it, I think Alex Mack coming back definitely answers a lot of questions and I think creates a really good situation for the 49ers. The best wins at right guard, and if that happens to be Moore or Burford, that means Daniel Brunskill is the swing tackle and everyone should be happy about those guys. It's fantastic. Uh, and Jimmy Garola says the SF Niners, if you like these guys, you will like Brad too. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Brad does a good job. Um, in fact, the la last year I sat next to Brad during training camp. We didn't, we didn't even really converse a whole lot. I just sat next to him and he was, he was doing his thing. Uh, if I see him this year, I'll make sure to go say what's up to him. Um, Marvin says, took my wife, uh, glamping up to Idlewild, 7,000 feet, no phone service, took walks and played 500 rummy. So cool to be with my wife. There you go. That sounds like a good time, Marvin. That sounds like a really good time. Uh, so, uh, Brad says he's still undecided on Rob shoe. I haven't watched a lot of Rob shoe to be honest. So, uh, not sure about, you know, everything about him, but I've heard he's a good guy. So maybe I'll check him out. Um, uh, Paul says the SF Niners Kinlaw is cut from a much longer interview that Brad did a couple months ago. So there you go. Yeah. Check it out though. If you haven't seen it go, in fact, if you can watch the whole interview, it was a really good interview. I didn't have go. I went and watched it, you know, way back when it happened. Uh, Brad did a good job. I thought that was, I remember Brad hyping it up. Hey, we're going to have, you know, some of uh, somebody come on and then end up being him. So I was excited about it being Javon Kinlaw. Cause I'm always interested in how Javon Kinlaw thinks and you know, how he's recovering from his injuries. Cause it's a guy that really hasn't been able to be healthy. And I'm hoping that he's going to start the season healthy and not have to try to overcome these injuries during the year, which he's been battling through for two years. Got to give him credit for, for trying. I mean, but when you see him in person, he is absolutely huge. I mean, the guy is a massive man with tremendous athletic ability. Uh, he can jump in the air, tuck his knees to his chest like nothing. I mean, he's he's fantastic. And uh, Sean says uh, he's a, a mod on Bradshaw. There you go. Well done, Sean. Um, let's see. Forksall says, what running back do you think gets a goal line duty? I think it could be a combination of a few. I really do. I think it's going to be a rotation. I want to see how Ty Davis Price and Trey Sermon are used early on in, in training camp and preseason. So I think both of them would be the most realistic. We know Kyle Shanahan will often go with a heavy hand. I mean, the you know the guy with the you know kind of the 
the hot hand. Uh, so maybe it would be um, whoever's going strong at the point. But we've seen Jeff Wilson Jr. used in that area. We've seen Elijah Mitchell. And you would think that these two guys would be able to do it as well. So I want to see how they're being used early uh, between Davis Price and, and Sermon. And I want to see what Sermon's development is. If Sermon's development is high, then it could be Sermon. I and mean, he's a big physical guy. But you would think Davis Price would be the, the forerunner because uh, Ty Davis Price is 220, 222 pounds. He's a big physical running back. He runs a 4.48. Uh, he, he's going to be nice. He's going to be really nice. So I, I think they have a lot of options there to be able to score around the goal line with the run game. And what that's going to do is create opportunities in the passing game too. And Trey Lance's ability to create in the red zone it's something we saw on display in training camp. Saw it a little bit during the season, but I'm excited to see what happens in the regular season when you get him out there with his running ability. Uh, because the fear of him running is going to go ahead and and make other defensive players kind of hold, you know. And just making them freeze for a second could be long enough, you know, for one of these running backs to get downhill and get into the end zone. So I'd really like that. Uh, Shooter says I do like Brad. I was talking about football players being real people and how some people forget because we just watched them on Sundays. Um, that's that's a true shooter, and that's one of the hard things when you're talking about cuts and stuff. You know, you're talking about these uh, players like they're you know just pieces on a chessboard when in reality they're human beings. So it is tough, and remembering that element of football, we should all do. And and some and I think that's just how the sport is sometimes. You know, sometimes you you forget that human element, and it's important that we always try to remind ourselves. So that's a good comment by him. Sean says, "How do you feel about starting two safeties? I feel a lot." better about our corner room still concerned about our nickel spot love the show can't say it enough thanks sean um i think when it comes to the starting safety spots i think right now the leader in the clubhouse next to jimmy ward has got to be tarvarius moore reason being he had starting experience in 2020 which puts him a little bit ahead i know talon Lufanga got a little bit this year uh, but not the run that tarvarius moore got so i think moore is the leader in the clubhouse i think hufanga is going to be in an open competition with him and then i think they'll see what they can get out of george odom uh, and when it comes to the nickel position, it can be a concern unless we're, we're going to be talking about the loser of the Jason Verrett, you know, Emmanuel Mosley battle moving into the nickel spot. If that happens, then potentially we're really good in the nickel spot, right? Both of those guys can handle it. They can do it in a big way. I think Verrett is actually the guy that can can be the best. So um, that is an interesting you know proposition, but they, they have Darquez Denard who they were impressed with in week 18 and what he did coming on late in the season. So he's in, he has some potential. Of course, Samuel Womack uh, is another guy. You have Diameter Lenore, the holdover from last year. So I think that the cornerback room is really deep. I'm, I like that. I think they can figure the nickel corner spot out of the guys that they currently have. The safety position a little bit more in the air, but I think Hufanga and Moore are in a battle to see who starts. Marvin says, do you think the Niners will need a sure-handed receiver to help Kittle and Debo out? Do you think Jawan Jennings will step up or is it Gray? I think Jawan Jennings is sure-handed. I think he's going to do a good job of being able to help convert on first down, uh, or just convert first downs. I think he's going to do a good job in that area. But I think Danny Gray is going to be the guy that takes the top off. So they're going to be used in a different you know, way, both of them. Uh, but I think they can do a really good job. So I think that both are going to do a, a, a bang-up job of helping Debo Samuel and George Kittle. I mean, because when Danny Gray takes the top off the defense, that's going to allow... George Kittle and Debo Samuel, a lot of room to operate in that void that's going to be created over the middle of the field. I, I think there's going to be some wide open players that are going to be able to, to handle business. So I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, and Robert Aguilar says, so can we mention Doc, Jock Peterson here? I will allow it because Jock Peterson's had an absolute 
tear recently. Uh, SF Giants, Jock Peterson's been doing big things. Three homers the other night. So, yeah, I'll, I'll allow it, Robert Aguilar. Uh, Donald Johnson said, I think I'm more confident in the, the corners than the strong safety right now, but think they will be okay in safety too. Yeah, I also wouldn't put it past um, the 49ers to still make a move at safety. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, as long as he's still available, that's still a viable option, but they have to free up money first, and we know that he's going to cost more than the top 51 contracts, so you can't sign him right now. You just can't afford it. At some point, they may be able to afford it, whether that's unfortunately through the retirement of Alex Mack, uh, the cut of D Ford, you know, or potentially moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. All those moves could potentially free up the money to bring in Tart and create an ultimate competition at the safety position, but maybe they're just really confident in who they got. You know, if we just saw Tar various more play last year, we might be more confident with, you know, how it is. Uh, you're right, Ant, having Lance will make other teams deep play 11 on 11. Yeah, and if you saw him in training camp last year, Lou, in the red zone, spectacular. I mean, that was one area that there was absolutely no way anyone could think that Jimmy Garoppolo played better than Trey Lance in training camp in the red zone. Uh, Jimmy did really good in, uh, you know, certain situations, 11 on 11, move the ball sets. That's where Jimmy shined. But in the red zone, Trey almost scored every time. It was ridiculous. Dude has a lot of ability in that area. And a lot of it had to do with his ability to escape, uh, get on the move, and then create in the open field. And a lot of times it was with his arm. He's just spectacular. I mean, it, when, it, when in that red zone, he's spectacular. The other areas of his game, he's still improving. Uh, but that's a good one. Uh Let's see. Uh, Laxa says Ward will cover the whole field. We're going to be good. Yeah, I mean, Ward does a really good job. Yeah, he has a, a really good understanding of what he's supposed to do on this defense. He feels really comfortable playing the safety position in this defense the way that D'Amico Ryans wants him to play. And I think as long as he is comfortable with it, then uh, he's, he's going to re do a really good job. But he's a captain on this defense, and they've got a captain at every level, right? you got Eric Armstead on the front line, Fred Warner at the – you know, at the linebacker position, and then you got Jason Brett corner, and then at the safety position, you have Jimmy Ward. They have really good leadership all throughout that defense and really good leadership on the offensive side as well. So I'm not worried about this locker room, which I think a lot of people were concerned potentially with Jimmy Garoppolo moving on if this locker room would be okay. But they got really good leaders all throughout this team. They've done a good job as players like Staley, you know, and, and players like that have moved on. Uh, to be able to have a funnel of these new guys that come in, step up, and, and keep everything going the right way. Robert Aguilar says, you think we try to sign anyone if we're able to get rid of Jimmy? Uh, they could. They could potentially do that, especially if um, you know they have questions at the center position. They might not feel comfortable with a Daniel Brunskill starting. They might not feel comfortable with Jake Brendel starting. And they could also look to address the wide receiver room if they thought that was something they needed to do. They have five good uh, ones. Maybe Kyle Shanahan wanted to go with six. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, they could use some of that money that way. I would think some of that money would be allocated towards Debo Samuel. Probably, maybe not a lot of it, uh, but some of it could go that way because they do need to get Debo under contract. They would like to do it before training camp for sure. And then next year they have Nick Bosa to worry about. And and that's the one they got to get done next year. So there's a lot of money to be spent over the next couple of years. Uh, Forstall says, yeah, hopefully Tart just waiting for other dominoes to fall so we can resign. It seems likely. I mean, and he's probably going to be cheap. Uh, he didn't play for a lot last year. I believe it was $1.3 million last year. So, I mean, he's not a huge salary cap hit, but right now they just don't have the money to sign him. I mean, I, I'm I'm so surprised they've been able to bring in all the players that they brought in and, and work their magic with Jimmy Garoppolo's $25 million still on the books. It's been really, really fantastic. Uh, Marvin Rose says, what I read today was the Niners are going to trade Jimmy G for cheap. And for good reason. Yeah, they could. I mean, that's the thing, right? You could probably take 
uh, you know, a, a late round draft picks right now. It's it's important to get something back for him, but really it's important to get the $25 million off your books. You can't afford to pay a backup quarterback $25 million. You need to use that money in other areas, but they have to wait for him to pass his physical. And once he passes his physical, uh, then they'll, they'll be good to go. Uh, Jason L says, do you think uh, Lance will be captain this year? Yeah, I think he's going to start asserting himself and becoming a captain. He'll be the leader in that, you know, in that huddle. And the, the team is going to start rallying around him. And then he's already starting to carry himself that way. The way he was handling the press conference, he's stepping up. And he's a guy that's been, you know, had those leadership qualities. And that's why you bring in a young kid and you're willing to use all that draft capital on him. Do you believe he can be that guy? And I think Trey carries himself to be that guy. So I think he will earn the respect. I think he already has earned a lot of the respect of the veteran players in that locker room. And I have a feeling that by the time we get through training camp, he'll have earned all the respect from all the players with how he goes about his business and handles, uh, you know, being the manager of this football team as far as from the quarterback position. Um, Donald Johnson, I like the Niners defense this year. They are better as well as special teams as well. Yeah, the, the special teams just got tremendously better. So I'm very excited about the special teams. And I think the Niners added some weapons on offense, especially Danny Gray, uh, that are going to free up some things for other players. So I think that was a really solid move. Uh, Brad Jones says, once the Niners move off Jimmy, they jump from having the lowest cap space, less than a million dollars, to I think four of uh, top four of available cap space. And that's a big turnaround, isn't it? Uh, that allows you a little bit of opportunity. You know, you want to keep, you know, around, I think it's like five to seven million dollars you want to keep available so you can make in season moves. Uh, signings if you have an injury or something like that so the 49ers uh, you know are going to keep some money available so we'll see what happens and if they can uh you know go ahead and make some moves whether that's bring back Debo Samuel bring in JC Treader you know sign another wide receiver or just spend that money you know on on the guys they currently have we'll see uh maybe it would be tart uh Laxus is a locker room and coach are real spicy for just being OTA's time for pads let's start hitting people legally yeah, they were. They were very spicy already, Lax Dad. That's a that's a good part. That's a good point. Um, they were getting after it. And I think that this is a they're they're not playing around this year. And I like that attitude. I hope they take that into the season. I hope that translates onto the field. Oh, uh, really was magic while holding on to Jimmy and Ford's contract. Yeah, it was. Uh well done. Uh that, that was really good, huh, Jimmo? It was really good. Uh Lou says, I'm not a conspiracy nut, but I actually think Kyle's holding a grudge against Tart from last year's debacle. He's not coming back, my opinion. I don't think they would hold that against him because they know all the things that he did, but they could have concerns about his injuries because he's often injured and he was injured again last year. Um, so, I mean, that could be something they're concerned about. We know they've made a concerted effort to not have players, you know, be uh, injured that are on their roster. So they are going away from that. So we'll see. Uh, Donald Johnson, I would like to get something for Jimmy, but if they don't, I would cut him before the season starts. And I think they would. I think they would as well, Donald. They're going to want to free up that money. I think that money has too much value um, compared to Jimmy as a backup. If Jimmy was a starter, you're paying him $25 million. If he's the backup, you can't pay him $25 million. You got to roll with the, you know, Trey Lance and his $7 million. It makes sense to start taking advantage of the rookie pay scale. David Campbell says, will Cone make the 53? I don't think so. I think he's on the bubble right now. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he can get it done making that 53-man roster. It's going to be tough for Cone. Um, I haven't really seen the fluidity in his hips as he's able to turn and run. No, I don't know. I, that's a funny one, David. Well done. <laughs> and chat blew up and loved David Campbell's comments. So uh, that's fun. Uh, Marvin says, is it tough for one player? To, uh, it is tough on a player once he gets a coach's bad side. It is. If you get into the, the coach's doghouse, for instance, um, it can be really difficult. You know, I mean, it can. And you got you to gotta work your way out of it. 
And uh, sometimes coaches can't let it go. But uh, when you're an NFL coach and you're expected to win football games, you better get over it because you need to win and you need the best players available to help you win. So hopefully that's what will happen. Hopefully the, the, you know, the Niners will, uh, will bring back whoever they need to bring back to win. Once that contract is open, if they believe it's Tarverius more then it's Tarverius more and, and we'll get that done. Uh, Brad Jones says, I still think they're angry on how the season ended and knew they were better than the Rams. So bringing that anger into the season. Yeah, I think so. I think they felt like they left it on the field, uh, left an opportunity, you know, out there that they should have won. Uh, I think they believe you're right that they should have won that game. They should have went to the Super Bowl, and they felt like they had a really good opportunity to beat the Bengals. And it's unfortunate. And what's up, Forever Blessed? Welcome to chat. Um, Marvin Rosas, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth. Uh, love the McAfee Rosas cone. He nailed it. Lax Dad is on the the Mac, uh, you know, the McAfee train there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Brad Jones has just asked Dante Pettis about the doghouse. Yeah, I mean that he put the cat in the doghouse, right? Uh, that was, yeah. Dante Pettis got in it real quick. He never got out. It appeared Brandon Ayuk got in it last year. Uh, I think he was definitely around it, but he got out of it, and he, you know, now he's he's going the right direction. Uh, so, yeah, this can happen, you know. And I don't, I don't know for sure if if Tar would be in the doghouse of Kyle Shanahan for dropping that interception. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan was disappointed that he didn't make the play. But if I know uh, Kyle Shanahan, like you know like other coaches do, you look at situations that you could have been better in that game. You know, what could I have done to make this team a, a better football team? And I think in those situations, um, they potentially could have, you know, could have done something, but they didn't. Uh, they weren't able to get the game, you know, the game in hand and win that game. And, you know, lots of people are going to blame Jaquiski Tart. And does Tart share some of the blame for it? Sure, of course he does. Uh, but there's a lots of plays in that game that you've, you could have made a better play or you could have done this or you could have called a better play or, um, all those things could be true and you could have won the game. So it's a, it's a bunch of different parts that ultimately lead to the, what happens, you know, whether you win or lose. Um, so I think that's how it goes, but unfortunately, uh, Tart's going to have to wear this a little bit. And, uh, I, I think that's unfortunate because I thought he did a really good job last year. I really did. I, I like Jaquiski Tart. Um, I think he's a good player. Uh, and, Let's see. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start winding this down. Uh, Laxdad says our defense feels disrespected per Ward. We're coming for that whole league. Let's go. Yeah, to quit, um, uh, Jimmy Ward's going after everyone. He really is. He's going after everyone. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and wind this down. Uh, we Ernest, what is up? Just joined chat saying hello. Um, so I'll take a couple more questions. You guys can throw us a couple more questions before I get out of here. I've really had a really good time interacting with everybody. There's been some really good. Uh, Really good questions, some pretty good comments. Uh, I've I've enjoyed it a lot, but um, unfortunately, I have you know other stuff to tune to get to. Um, but yeah, this is great. And Marvin Rosa's drop in the pass was one of the things. Stuff happens. Offense should have been better in the fourth quarter. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, Lawrence says they paid Odom too much to bring back Tart. They could have. I mean, they could have. I mean, but as soon as they free up that money from Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. Uh, Tart only made like 1.3 last year. I don't think he's going to get much of a pay raise. Uh, so they could bring him back, but you're right. They did pay Odom a, a pretty hefty sum. So maybe they do believe they have the guys already. Maybe. Uh, Jason says, Ayuk actually seemed extremely confident during the presser, and he was in a better place than he was last year. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, um, yeah. And uh, Brand New says, there was 10 minutes left in the game, LOL. There was a lot of game left. There was. There's a lot of things. That, 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 that could have happened in that game forever, uh, for sure. Uh, so so good comment there, uh, brand new. Good comment. Uh, forever blesses. I think we ran out of confidence in the big game last season 
Hopefully we have full confidence this season, which should help us close out games this season. Plus Jimmy Ward, the super vet all pro. Yeah, we got some really good players and you know, they, they're not going to, they're not going to take this uh, lying down. They're going to get after and try to turn around the 2022 season and win a super bowl. That's the goal. Elusa's and if we free up money, who on the free agent market, do you uh, have your eyes on? Um, you know what? I haven't really looked at the, the free agent market too much. I think it all depends on Alex Mack. We free up the money and Alex Mack isn't there. I want to take his $5.5 million and a little bit extra and go see J go see if we can get JC Treader. I think him plugging him in uh, to the 49ers uh, offensive line is, is something that they could do that way. Nick Zakel or one of these other guys could be an understudy and then you would be ready to roll in the future. So that's, that's what I would, that's what I would think they should do. Um, and I would be excited about that potential. Cause I think he's an all pro player. So he instantly makes your team a lot better and there would be a huge void left by Alex Mack going ahead and moving on. And thanks, David. David saying, great show. I really appreciate it. And thanks, David, for everything that you do. And and what's up, Freddie Mac Dre? You made it in just under the radar. We're about we're about to close it down, but I'm glad you jumped in and, and said what's up. Um, so guys, I really do appreciate it. I had a great time, great conversation. Uh, this was exciting. And I, I'm looking forward to you know getting back after it next week. So I hope you guys all have a really good weekend. Um, and remember over this weekend to stay safe. And the right way is always the 49ers way.